are listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Good morning. Well, how are you guys doing? Here's some moves. Moves are good. My name is Gray Carter. I'm the worship pastor here at Real Life. Usually I get to be up here with the team. Today I got to be out there with you as we sing together. As we worshiped. We're going to continue in worship as we, as we get into the word and as we uh, continue this series on the essentials. We've been in this series on the essentials of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so far, we've looked at topics like the Bible and salvation and baptism and new habits, and we talked about the Trinity. And today, we're going to talk about prayer. And this is something that I've I've been fascinated with for a long time. I've, I've explored it. I've been curious about it. Like, what is prayer? How do you do it? What words do you say and how often? And I've looked into, you know, over time, I've looked into contemplative prayer and meditative prayer and, and methods of praying the scripture and praying the Psalms and singing prayers and writing my prayers and prayer mantras and formulaic prayers and structured prayers and spontaneous prayers. And I've just been curious, like, how do you pray and what is prayer? Because for the longest time, I thought the way that I prayed was wrong somehow because it's not what you see modeled in church. It's not what you see modeled in public. The way I pray involves a lot more silence than talking. There's a lot more questions you know, I'll ask God a question and I'll just sit in silence and listen. You know, that makes sense because in regular conversation, that's how I talk usually to people. I ask a lot of questions and I'm genuinely curious and I ask follow-up questions and I actively listen. And so I do that in prayer as well. You know, for example, let's say in life I'm having trouble with a difficult personality I'm struggling with how to handle a certain personality, a certain person. Let's say I'm having trouble forgiving them or I'm just bugged by them. In prayer, I'll ask God, you know, how should I see this person? I'll wait in silence and pause in his presence. God, how do you see this person? How should I handle this situation? And I pause in silence. It's just the way I've always done it since I was a kid. And a lot of times as I pray those, those silent prayers of listening, I notice that my heart begins to soften and my compassion starts to increase. You know, and I get clarity on how to deal with that difficult person. But again, for a long time, I thought I was doing it wrong because my prayers don't look like the prayers that you see in church. But after a while, I realized that prayer is really just having a conversation with the Lord. And if that's how I converse, then that's exactly how I should pray. You know, my prayers don't have to be eloquent. They don't have to have a lot of words. My prayers don't have to have King James, Shakespearean words sprinkled in. My prayers don't have to be grammatically correct. And I don't have to just go on and on and recite theology back to God. 
Really, prayer is just connecting to the Lord and really, in its most simple form, it's having a conversation with the Lord. And is it essential? We're going over essentials. Is it necessary? Or as Jesus' followers, we're called to model our lives after the life of Jesus. And he prayed all the time, just what he did. He was always just constantly in this ongoing conversation with the Lord, and so we should as well. And also, throughout Scripture, we're commanded to pray, you know, to devote our lives in prayer. So prayer is essential. It's necessary. It's powerful. And yet, many of us struggle with prayer. Right? It's difficult. You know, we know we're supposed to and we want to, but then you go to pray and maybe you get distracted. Maybe your mind wanders and you lose focus. Or maybe you get bored, right? You go to pray and you're on your own and it's just boring and you fall asleep. Has anyone ever fallen asleep while praying? Or maybe you don't know the words to say. Maybe uh, you go to pray and it just feels generic and trite, like God be with me today. Give me safe travels, please. Good weather. Bless my food later today. Thank you for my stuff. And it maybe just feels empty or shallow. And so you just give up. You know, but if you're a Christian with a less than vibrant prayer life, the last thing I would want you to do is to feel guilty or shameful about that because guilt and shame never draw us towards the Lord, but they always push us away from the Lord. And so today, I'm hoping that you would listen and hear some of the words that I say about this topic. But I also pray that this moment, that this time would be a time and space for you to pause and listen prayerfully with an awareness of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would hear what you need to hear about this topic. And I pray that you would hear something that would maybe convict you or maybe inspire or re-enchant or encourage or maybe stir up a curiosity or a hunger, a desire to not just pray but to live a life of unceasing prayer. And I pray that for myself as well. Now, today we're going to look at the life, we're going to look at three people in the Bible. We're going to look at the life of King David, we're going to look at the life of Jesus and the Apostle Paul, and we're going to see how they modeled prayer and how they lived lives of prayer. And I'm hoping that we'll see that prayer is not just an action that we do, but prayer is a way that we live. All right, let's get started. Let's start with David. I do want to start with David. I'm a David guy. He worship, he's a worship leader, a musician. He's a poet, and he's a prayer warrior. You know, and all throughout the Old Testament, the most common form of prayer that we see is just people speaking to God, just conversations with God, listening and asking for help and guidance, complaining sometimes, sometimes just angry prayers. But just these conversations of thanking the Lord and repenting and confessing and praising We see that all throughout the Old Testament. We also see that in the book of Psalms. You know, the book of Psalms in our Bible is a prayer book. 
and David, King David, a man after God's own heart, wrote many of the Psalms in our Bible. And so when you read the Psalms, it's like you're reading his prayer journal. And in the Psalms, you see that he's constantly praying just all the time in every situation, every circumstance, in the lowest moments he's praying. In the highest moments of celebration, he goes to prayer. And when he messes up, he prays. Whatever's going on in his life, whatever he's struggling with, he pours out his heart in prayer. And he says things like, God, I'm depressed. God, I'm in despair. My soul is in anguish. I've been weeping. I've been wrestling with my thoughts. How long will my heart be in sorrow? And often he starts his prayers like that. In a lot of his psalms, he starts his prayers emotionally processing before the Lord. He's an emotional guy, and he's going through some real stuff, and he starts off with that. We see something similar in Psalm 51, Psalm 59. David writes, this is how he starts off his psalm. He says, deliver me from my enemies, O God. Be my fortress against those who are attacking me. Deliver me from evildoers and save me from those who are after my blood. See how they lie and wait for me. Fierce men conspire against me for no offense or sin of mine. This is how he starts his prayer. He wrote this as he was hiding in a cave and running for his life from people who wanted to kill him for no reason. And so he's scared. He's distressed. He's worried. He doesn't know what to do. And he starts his prayer off in despair. But eventually his perspective changes. And once he gets all that out of his system, he, gets, he sets his attention off of his problems and he sets his eyes on the Lord and he looks up. And the next part of the psalm or later on in the psalm, he says, but I will sing of your strength. Yes, Lord, in the morning I will sing of your love. For you are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. You are my strength. I sing praise to you. You, God, are my fortress, my God, on whom I can rely. He starts his, his prayer in despair, and he ends it in praise and thankfulness and trust You know, he stays in the presence of the Lord long enough to have his heart persuaded and influenced back to a place of trust. And that's what David modeled in a lot of his Psalms. But he also, he had some angry, hateful prayers as well. When you look through his prayers, he's talking about his enemies. He has some violent, hateful, angry prayers. He'll say stuff like, God, destroy my enemies. Shatter their teeth, he says that. Strike them down. I pray that their days would be few and their wives would be orphans. No, that their kids would be orphans, their wives would be widows. Destroy them. Burning anger. You know, he's a real dude. He has real emotions, and this is real talk with the Lord. And God can handle it. You know, my wife has a, a prayer journal. And she'll write her prayers, she'll process, and she'll write whatever is happening in life, she'll write it out in her prayer journal. And a couple years ago, there was a season where she wrote some angry prayers. She seems like a sweet person. (laughs) I think she's sitting over here. If you look, she's probably smiling at the moment. She seems sweet. (laughs) But she can write some fire. 
some prayer journal diss tracks. You know, because, for example, you never know, like, if, uh, if you're, someone messes with your family or with your kids or with your husband, you know, certain words might be penciled into that cute little prayer journal. And it may, these angry prayers, these even hateful prayers may not seem Christ-like or spiritually mature, but if you're in constant conversation with the Lord, eventually God's going to have to hear some real talk sometimes. And he can handle it. He can handle your emotions, and he doesn't want you to process it alone. He wants to be there, and he wants to shift your perspective. And he wants to guide you through it. And so he's there even in the angry hateful, violent prayers, and he guides you through it to a place of trust and surrender. You know, if we modeled our prayer after some of David's prayers, our prayers might start off, you know, angry and hateful. We might say, God, I'm, I'm furious. I want justice. I want a biblical butt whooping up in this place in the life of my enemies. I want a tidal wave of destruction, a a divine demolition of justice to occur until there's nothing left but rubble and debris and scattered fragments of wreckage on the ground. And I want the ruins to be burned to ashes, and I want the ashes to be stomped on and pressed into the ground until there's nothing left. And I want the memories of my foes to be swept into oblivion, never to be thought of again. Your prayers might start off like that. And then as it progresses, it might progress to God, really, I'm, I'm hurting. I'm disappointed. I'm offended. I've been disrespected. This feels unfair. This is unjust. I'm sad. I'm in despair. I feel broken in anguish. My, my mind is wrestling with these thoughts. I can't sleep at night. I'm unsettled. I'm unnerved. And then it might progress. Your prayer might progress too. But God, you've seen me through these things before. You have helped me in these situations before, oh, time and time again in different seasons and different trials. And so once again right now I surrender my thoughts my concerns. And I stay in your presence long enough until my perspective has shifted. You know, that's what David modeled in a lot of his prayers. You know, he prayed angry prayers and prayers of despair, but he prayed until his heart connected with the Lord again. He prayed until his emotions turned into praise. And he prayed until his perspective realigned with God's perspective. And again, David prayed all kinds of prayers, prayers of thankfulness throughout the Psalms, prayers of of lament, of petition in which he's asking for what he needs and he's crying out. 
prayers against his enemies, and also prayers of repentance and confession. And he models a prayer of repentance in Psalm 51. You know, after what is maybe his greatest moral failure, he, as he's reigning as king, he has this adulterous affair with a married woman. And then he conspired to have her husband killed. And so he's an adulterer, he's a schemer, he's a murderer, and God sends his prophet to confront David about his sin. And when David realizes what he's done, he immediately repents and he confesses and he says, God, forgive me. And this is his prayer in Psalm 51. He prays, have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And then notice he says, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And he prays his prayer of repentance and he models that for us. And all throughout his life, his life was this constant conversation with the Lord, whatever he went through. And it was this constant realigning with the Holy Spirit. He wanted to be in step with the Holy Spirit. He wanted to walk in the Spirit. He wanted to to follow the Holy Spirit. And for David, prayer was not just an action that he did where he bowed his head and closed his eyes. Prayer was a way of life. And that's the same for Jesus. We're going to move on to Jesus. For Jesus, life, uh, prayer was this constant conversation, this ongoing conversation. In the Gospels, we see over and over again that Jesus was going off alone to pray He would break away from his group, from his disciples to pray. He would wake up early in the morning to pray and stay late at night. He would go off alone to the lake and to the mountain to pray. He was always disconnecting from his people to go off and connect to the Lord. And he knew the Psalms of David. He quoted the Psalms. He prayed the Psalms. He probably knew a lot of them by heart. And so, in a lot of ways, Jesus modeled his prayer life after the prayer life of David, and those psalms gave him a language to pray. And just like David, Jesus had some raw, genuine, honest prayers where he was vulnerable and transparent. You know, for example, in the the Garden of Gethsemane, as Jesus is considering the cross, he's in despair. His soul is in anguish as he thinks about being handed over to be mistreated and tortured and ultimately crucified. And it says he's anxious, he's stressed out. He doesn't want to go through with this. He's scared. It says that sweat is, is pouring down onto the ground. It says that he's overwhelmed and that his grief is crushing him. And he prays to the Father. He says, do I have to go through with this? Is there any way that you can deliver me from this suffering? I don't want to do this. Is there any way that we could uh, not do this? Can you get me out of this? Can you deliver me from this? Unless this is your will for me, unless this is your purpose and your plan. 
But he prays in this raw and genuine, honest way. This is the humanity of Jesus praying. And it was raw and vulnerable. And all throughout his life, whatever he was going through, he would pray these these just prayers in his own words, these these spontaneous, free-form prayers wherever he was at. A lot of times he did not pray structured prayers or pre-written prayers. It was just the cry of his heart, him pouring out his heart in his own words. But what's interesting, in Matthew 6, 9 through 13, his disciples ask, Jesus, how do you pray? Like, teach us to pray. And he gives, us a, he gives them a very structured prayer. You know, how do we pray? And he says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. All right, so his disciples have seen him pray these free-form, spontaneous prayers just in his, in his own words, and they ask him, how do you pray? And he gives them this structured prayer, this pre-written prayer. You know, why this structure? Some theologians point out that all of the themes of the prayers in the Psalms are condensed down to these 16 words, that, that all of the 150 Psalms are condensed down to these 16 words. He gives us this outline for a well-rounded prayer that covers the main themes. In this prayer that he teaches, we see prayers of petition where he's asking you know, for our daily bread. Prayers of repentance, you know, God forgive me. Prayers of submission and surrender to his will. Prayers of thankfulness and praise. You know, all the themes of the Psalms are condensed down to this one prayer. You know, and he teaches this, you know, this is where you start, but I don't think he means for us to just pray these 16 words and then we have prayer figured out. I think he's saying start here, start with these themes, and then once you're grounded, then expound and develop and, and paraphrase and personalize your own prayers in the outline of these themes. You know, let this prayer be a primer, a starting place, a, a launch pad to your own prayers and petitions. Let this prayer shape your prayers and direct your thoughts and corral your emotions and there's also something else here. He's, in this prayer, he's, he's lifting us up to a higher way of thinking and a higher level of praying because he added something that was not in the prayers of David. In verse 12, let's go back to verse 12. He says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. All right, forgive me, Lord, as we forgive and all throughout the scriptures, Jesus is calling us to forgive those who persecute us and forgive our enemies and forgive those who did us wrong. So as we compare David and, and Jesus, David says, you know, David prays against his enemies and Jesus says, forgive them. 
And David says, God, forgive me for what I've done. And Jesus says, forgive those who persecute you. And elsewhere in Matthew, he says, to pray for your enemies. To pray for your enemies. How many of us do that? In this Lord's Prayer, he's calling us to rise above our emotions and to see from heaven's perspective, calling us to a higher level, and that's difficult. That's diff- I struggle with this recently, just recently. I struggle with this. I, you know, not with enemies, but just, just with regular people who are rude and disrespectful. And you never know what's, what's going to bother you or who's going to bother you. But I was in a place where I thought I forgave these people. Like, let's move on. I I want the best for you. I wish the best. But as I was in prayer, I could tell that I was supposed to pray for them. I could just tell I was being guided to pray for them. You know, and I refused for weeks. For weeks, I refused. I was like, no, they don't get off that easy. You don't just get to be rude and disrespectful over and over again. You don't get to just be serial offenders of rudeness. <laughs> Habitual line steppers. And I would play it out in my mind as I was getting ready in the morning. I would just like replay these repetitive thoughts. And that's all they are, repetitive thoughts of this is what they did and this is what they said and how could they do that? How rude just stuck up in my emotions and my own thoughts, and I could tell that I was supposed to pray, but I, but I didn't. I refused because I knew what was going to happen when I prayed for them. I knew that as I asked, God, how do you see them? And God, how should I see them? And God, what should I know about them? As I waited there in silence, I knew if I asked that and if I prayed that, I would hear something like, you know, they're children of God, loved and cherished, wonderfully made. They're, uh, you know, they're scared, they're struggling. They've gone through hardship, hardships, and trials, but they're trying. You know, they're, they're insecure, they're scared, they're stressed out. They're broken and imperfect, just like I am. And they deserve forgiveness and grace, just like I forgive. I deserve forgiveness and grace. You know, finally, when I prayed for them, you know, finally, when I prayed for them, my mind, you know, stopped wrestling with it. And the peace of God settled me down and my repetitive thoughts ceased as I reconnected my prayer life. And as I let go of those things that had a hold of me, as I surrendered it, and as I didn't surrender to my emotions, but surrendered to the Lord and forgave them and prayed for them, which was praying for them was more difficult than just up here thinking I forgave them. 
You know, so I am a David person. I'm a David guy. I resonate with David, but ultimately I'm called to be a Jesus follower. Above all, I'm a follower of Jesus. And in the the process of obedience and surrender, it's difficult and there's things that, uh, that I don't want to do. But I find without prayer, I will devolve back into the natural default emotional thought patterns. And in the Lord's Prayer, and in the teachings of the Lord and how he modeled prayer, he's calling me to rise above that, to rise above my emotions, to get out of my head and get into a kingdom mindset. That's what Jesus taught, and that's what he modeled. And for Jesus, prayer was not just an action that he did. It was a way that he lived. And that's the same for Paul. For this final person we're going to look at, the Apostle Paul. And we see that Paul has modeled his prayer life after the life of Jesus and after the life of David. You know, Paul knew the Psalms. He prayed the Psalms. He sang the Psalms. And he told us to even sing the Psalms. He quoted the Psalms in his writing, but above all, he was a follower of Jesus. And so in Paul's writings, he instructs us how to live a life of prayer. You know, and Paul was always praying, constantly praying. He was always praying for his fellow believers and for the churches that he planted and for the leadership and the people of the congregation. And he prayed for those who did evil against him and those who persecuted him. And he prayed in the spirit. And he prayed in tongues. And he prayed during every difficult moment of his life. And when he was in prison, he prayed. And he even said that when you feel too weak to pray, when you don't know the words to pray, he said the Holy Spirit will come and pray for you with words that are too deep for our understanding. Prayer was always happening for Paul. Prayer was always happening. It was this constant, ongoing conversation. And in 1 Thessalonians, he writes this. I have three different versions here. He says, never stop praying. Pray continually and pray without ceasing. You know, what does that mean to pray without ceasing? Some people say that just means to have a steady routine of prayer, a disciplined life of prayer. You know, because it can't mean that we're constantly supposed to be talking to God. That would be exhausting and daunting. Some of us can't even pray five minutes without being distracted and bored and run out of words. But there's another way to look at this. When I think of prayer without ceasing, I think it has something to do with the Holy Spirit. In his writings, Paul talks about living in the Spirit and walking in the Spirit and praying in the Spirit and following the lead of the Spirit in every part of our lives. And I think about how David wrote, God, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't take your presence from me. And Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is indwelling in us at all times. And he's teaching and he's prompting and he's comforting and he's leading and he's guiding and he's helping and he's directing us back to truth. 
So unceasing prayer, I think Paul means that we are to have a heart posture of continual awareness of the Holy Spirit. You know, when you're walking in the Spirit, when you're in tune with the Spirit and you're following his lead and he's directing and he's teaching and he's leading and he's comforting and he's convicting, that seems a lot like unceasing, continual, nonstop conversation. And that's what prayer is. Prayer, a big part of prayer, is living a life in the presence of the Lord, in tune with the Holy Spirit, walking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit. In this next verse, in Philippians 4, 7, Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. Now, he was most likely locked up in prison as he wrote this. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then he says, and as you pray, as you enjoy his presence, and as you walk in his spirit, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And he's talking about walking in the spirit and enjoying his presence as we pray. You know, when we connect to the Lord in prayer, you know, we get a, a sense of his peace and we are comforted and we are guided and we are led. And finally, this last scripture, Ephesians six eighteen, And he says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. I like how he says, pray with all kinds of prayers. Pray in the Spirit with all kinds of prayers. You know, pray with silent prayers and with listening prayers. Pray with, with angry, emotional prayers. Pray structured prayers and spontaneous prayers and pray for your family and for your enemies. Pray for those who make life worth, worth living and those who make life difficult in prayer. Pray prayers of thankfulness and praise and repentance. Pray all kinds of prayers. Pray when you, when you can't sleep at night, when you're wrestling with your thoughts, when your heart is full of sorrow and your soul is full of anguish. Pray all kinds of prayers. And as you live a life fully aware of the Holy Spirit, as you're walking in the Spirit and being led and guided, you're constantly being comforted and led and directed and encouraged and convicted. And so both, you're praying all kinds of prayers and you're walking in the Spirit and being led by the Spirit. And before you know it, you're having this ongoing conversation with the Lord, and that is prayer. Prayer is having a conversation. Prayer is constantly being in communion with the Lord and prayer is realigning our perspective to his. When you look at the life of David and the life of Jesus and the life of Paul, what we see is that prayer is not just an action that we do, but prayer is a way that we live. Let's pray right now. God, I pray that we right now would be present in this moment
listening with open ears, fully aware of your presence and how you work in our lives and how you convict and how you encourage and how you lead and how you guide us. Right now, I pray that we would just pause and listen as we ask, is there anything that's blocking our prayer life? Is there any forgiveness issues? Is there any sin issues? Is there any aspects of brokenness? Is there, are there distractions? Are there things that we need to let go of that have, have a hold of us? Pray that you would convict us, that you would work on our hearts, and that we would be open to listen and to receive and to follow, even when it's difficult, even when we don't like it. I pray that we would rise above our emotions, that we would step into a kingdom mindset. And that we would follow your lead and how you modeled prayer and how you forgave. How you forgave your enemies and how you forgave your brothers and your sisters. Lord, speak to us, convict us, comfort and encourage us. I pray that we would be open to it, we'd receive it. Lord, we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's get our communion elements ready. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember him. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me, for whenever you eat it, Eat this bread and drink this cup. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. So Lord, we thank you. We thank you for who you are and for who you've been in every difficult situation, in every trial, in every struggle, in every part of our lives. I pray that we would be more and more aware of you in every part of it. That we would be more aware of your presence, that we wouldn't have to just look back in hindsight and see how you moved. But right now, that we would constantly step into this full awareness, this heightened awareness of you in our lives. That we would be sensitive to your voice as you lead us, as you guide us. I pray that we would have the courage and the spiritual maturity and whatever it takes to follow after your lead and after your guidance. God, we praise you. Thank you. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.